0: Good morning, Horizon. (laughs) Exciting to be here this morning. We're going to be starting a new series called Hearing God, and we're going to be kind of tackling into what does it look like for us as Christians to practically hear from God in our lives. You know, it's a term that we kind of throw around a lot, but what what does it really look like for us to hear from God? Pray with me as we kind of continue in worship. Lord God, thank you so much for this church, for this chance to be together as a church family. Lord, we just pray that we would just experience you deeply this morning as we, can, as we felt you during worship. May we experience you during the word. And may you just be carrying it in our hearts throughout the week. Lord, I pray that anything that, that's of me this morning would be quickly forgotten. And that anything that's of you would stick to our hearts and change our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So yes, so this is going to be a fun series. We're going to be kind of tackling the different ways that we hear from God and what it looks like to kind of recognize God's voice in our life. And as we kind of kick it off, you know, hearing from God is a very mysterious thing. So let's just kind of own that right out the gate. It's not as clear cut as like when your mom tells you to do the dishes, like you heard it, you just chose not to do it, right? Like it's like very clear cut. Like, and with God, it's kind of mysterious, and we're going to kind of dive into this mystery of what it looks like to hear from God, to, like, for God to communicate to us. It's kind of a foundational piece of, like, believing that we communicate with God, that we're in relationship with God. It's not just that he hears us, but that he is also speaking to us. And if he is speaking to us, what does it mean that we hear from him? You know, what kind of things do people hear from God? This is kind of, these are some of the more funny things that maybe I've heard throughout my life that I think it's like, it's interesting to kind of unpack. One that we threw around a lot in college, I went to Messiah College, and one of the things that you would hear through the grapevine a lot is, God told me to break up with you. <laughs> we call that being God carded, like, oh, she played the God card. Yeah, you can't really argue with that. Like, there's no, no more conversation when God puts the kibosh on the relationship, right? But I mean, but I, I think there's some genuineness to that statement, but there's also some Mystery to like, what do I even do with that? Okay, great. Why does why God not like me? <laughs> um, another one God told me to come to Baltimore. We had a guy come up here. He came and stayed on our couch. Dan and I were living together at the time. He laid on our couch for a week, and his story was God laid it on my heart to come to Baltimore. I don't have a job here. I'm coming up here. I'm going to find a job this week and bring my family up next week. And we're like, okay. Wow, and it was, you know, incredible kind of moment of faith, but I'm like, what did that sound like, (laughs) right? Like, for God to say to go to Baltimore, that you would move your whole family in a moment. You know, God told me to plant a church. I've met with a lot of people over the years who have really, with God's direction, have come and planted churches. Some are thriving and growing. Some fade away after a couple years. Was God ever wrong? Did they mishear God? Like, or was that what was meant to be in the whole way from the beginning? God told me I was going to marry him/her. This is a very—I've been doing a lot of weddings lately. This is a really sweet thing to say on a wedding day. It's a really hard thing when it doesn't work out that way, right? <laughs> so, like, it, there's a lot of mystery in how God kind of communicates with us, right? You know, and, and our, our reactions to these things tend to vary. I've probably had all the above reactions when we kind of talk about these reactions. Wow, that's awesome! That's incredible that God communicated with you. I've felt that before. We're like, yes, that's amazing that God said that to you, and I'm great that you're coming to Baltimore. That's amazing. There's that—that's so impractical. Like, dude, you're moving your family to Baltimore. Like, you don't have a job. You have a kid. You got to provide for them. There's like an anxiety that rises in me sometimes when people use that phrase. Are you sure you heard that right? I've definitely felt that like numerous times. Okay, like someone says, "Yeah, God told me this." Are you sure you heard it right? Like, you know, there's a moment of kind of like, you know, are, are you getting this correct? Are you sure it was God? These are some, of the, some kind of the moments that I think I feel like in reaction to the statements that people make. Don't blame God for doing what you want to do. <laughs> I've absolutely, absolutely thought this before. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's just what you want to do. Don't blame God for it. Don't drag God into this. You want to break up with that guy. Don't blame God. <laughs> what doesn't, why doesn't God speak to me that clearly? Have you ever had that reaction? Man, he heard that clearly? That God had asked him to do this? Why don't I ever experience that? Like, What does it look like? You know, what does it even look like or feel like have God speak to me like that? Maybe some of us are on that camp and say, like, that sounds awesome, but I want to experience that. Why don't I experience that? Like, what, why don't I have those moments? How do you know it's God? Sometimes I feel like God's asking me to do something, but how do I know it's God and not just something I ate that day? Right? Like, how do I distinguish between the difference? You know, how do I know it was just a crazy dream or God was speaking to me in a dream? These are big questions, and if we want to be people who hear the Word of God and respond to the Word of God, we need to ask them. We need to wrestle with this stuff. You know, does God really speak to us? Well, I'd say this, like, what else would it look like to be in a relationship with God if he wasn't speaking to us while we're speaking to him? You know, Dallas Willard has this incredible quote. I believe we as disciples of Jesus Christ cannot abandon faith in our ability to hear from God. To abandon this is to abandon the reality of a personal relationship with God, and that we must not do. Our hearts and minds, as well as the realities of the Christian tradition, stand against it. God is absolutely speaking to us, and we can absolutely hear from him. We can't abandon that thought. Just because it's mysterious, or it's dangerous, or it's scary, we can't abandon the concept that God is speaking to us. We need to be the ones who learn how to hear it. What else do we expect from a relationship with God other than an ongoing conversation and an actual relationship? Like, what else are we referring to if we're not speaking to him and hearing from him? So what does it look like for God to speak to us? Well, it's going to look a lot different person to person because God is a relational God. And he knows his children are individuals. He built them to be individuals. So what, how you hear God might not be exactly how I hear God. But there's going to be pieces that we can kind of learn from the whole picture about how God communicates with people. But he's a very personal God who's intimately involved with each one of his children. He knows his children are different. He will communicate differently. There's an element of mystery. So we're going to go, need to go on a journey of learning how to discern the voice of the Lord. And that's what this series is going to be about. It's an invitation to a journey on this. And the journey is going to look like several different things. It's not always perfectly clear. Let's just own that from the beginning. Even when you get to like a place of like wisdom and understanding, it's not always 100% clear what God is saying. And we have to own the fact that it's just not as obvious as speaking human to humans. And let's be honest. Two people hear very different things sometimes when one conversation happens. I can, as someone who kind of counsels in that, you can, I can attest that two very different messages can come out of one very clear statement. So, I mean, just much more with the mysterious God of the universe, right, that we can somehow maybe mishear or not quite always fully understand. Just because it's mysterious, though, does not mean that God isn't speaking. I believe he's consistently communicating, but we have to be the ones do we have ears to hear? We have to go on a journey to train our ears to be ones who can hear the voice of the Lord in our lives. So, how do we cut through all the noise in our lives and train our ears to hear what the Lord is saying to us? That's kind of the, maybe the crux question of this series. How do we cut through all the noise and train our ears to hear what the Lord is saying to us? In short, how do we hear from God? And that's what we're really going to be unpacking as we kind of go through this series. And we're going to be starting with kind of a foundational piece hearing God in Scripture. And you might think, oh, well, that's obvious. But let's be clear. If we don't hear God in Scripture, if we don't understand his voice, we will never hear him in other ways. Like this is like the foundation of what he kind of lays. You know, longing for the word of God. You know, we are not the first generation that has longed to hear a word from God. When you're just wondering, God, just speak to me. Just tell me what to do. Let me just say, we are feeling the echoes of our whole human ancestry in those moments. All of human history has been striving to understand what God is trying to communicate to them, trying to hear from God. And human, humans have gone to great lengths to try to understand this. You know, it's one of the primary stories of human history. Just think about these incredible buildings, right? Like these incredible—you don't lug giant stones to the top of a mountain because you're semi-curious about what God might have to say to you. You know, like, I mean, like, you don't—these pillars in these Roman temples— One guy would work on one pillar for 60 years. He would give his entire life to building one pillar in a temple to the Roman gods. You think he was like curious if God maybe had something to say or not? These people were dedicating their lives to try to hear a word from God. They wanted to communicate with God. They wanted to reach out and have some kind of contact with the eternal. These incredible Christian cathedrals. The Egyptians hauled granite from 500 miles in boats and built some of the biggest structures that the world's ever seen just to try to touch the eternal. They wanted a piece of it. They wanted to know that God was out there and that they could have some kind of communication with a God in that case. God is speaking through history. Here is God has spoken to us through human history. Do you realize it started with his words? Like our story started with his word. He spoke creation into being. It's very clear in Genesis. He speaks and something happens. He speaks again, something happens. He, spe- he literally speaks creation into existence. And I don't think he just stopped speaking on that sixth day and stopped, right? I mean, like he's been speaking ever since. He speaks things into existence. And then he spoke to people, and they wrote down his words, and they communicated his words. He had prophets that would go and communicate his words. He had people who wrote them down. And they, these words have stood for eternity and will stand for eternity. He has communicated his words for, us to, all, for ha- us to have forever. And he sent his son as the word in flesh, and people wrote down what he did. He became flesh. The word became flesh and brought the message of God to all of us, and people wrote it down, and we've all heard the stories, but it comes like white noise, but it's the eternal word of God speaking into our lives. You know, Dallas Word, and then, I'm gonna encourage you to check this book out. We're probably gonna reference it a good bit in this series. It's called Hearing God by Dallas Willard, one of his earlier books. God created, God rules, and God redeems through his word. God's creating, God's ruling, and God's redeeming is his word. This is a single basic truth about the overall relationship that he has to his creatures. And in this truth, we see the all-encompassing mediation of Jesus, his son. If we wish to understand God's personal relationship to us, including how he speaks to us individually today, we must understand what the Word of God is in general and how both the Son of God and the Bible are the Word of God. If that doesn't kind of push you towards the Word of God, if we want to understand how God communicates with us today. This is the foundational piece, the Word of God in the Bible and the Son of God, Word and flesh, that we learn about in Scripture. You know, the impact of the Word of God, just a little bit of, like, taste of the impact You know, in Nehemiah, let me go back for a second. In Nehemiah, the people had so, like, longed for the word of God, kind of getting back to this, like, longing that people had, They have been carried off into captivity. They had, like, under Nehemiah, they had come back and they had started to rebuild the walls. Ezra comes down. They're trying to rebuild the temple. They're trying to get their semblance of a community back together. But what they're really wanting is back into right relationship with God. They've been longing for this ever since the captivity. They've been trying to be obedient, but they're not even sure. They've they've kind of lost a lot of the history of the word. And there's this powerful moment where they come back together as a community after being in captivity. And Ezra opens up the book of the law And he reads the book of the law in Jerusalem to the people. And for the first time in their lifetimes, for most of them, they hear the word of God as it was meant to be heard. And I want you just to understand the impact that the word of God has on these people who have been starving to hear from God. It says, Ezra opened the book and all the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people stood up. They stood up in anticipation of the word. Ezra would praise the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, amen. Then they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. They fell with their faces to the ground. And the Levites, and I know you'd love for me to read all those names, but I'm not going to. But the Levites instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there they read from the book of the law of God making it clear and giving them meaning so that the people understood what was being read they were so removed from the word that they didn't even have context for what it meant in their lives so the Levites stood there explaining what these words meant and as they're doing this they're just falling on their faces because it's words of life of how to live and they've been longing to know how to live then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the, Ezra the priest, and the teacher of the law, and the Levites were, who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. You talk about the power of the word of the law. Guys, is it possible we take the word of God for granted just a, just a smidge in our, in our lives? You know, can you even imagine longing for the word of God in written form like this? Like we are the privileged ones who have access to the Word of God. I mean, think about this. We have immediate access to the Word of God. I bet 99% of us have some kind of Bible app on our phone right now. It's literally a step away. And I bet most of us don't even look at it most days. That's the kind of access we have. They gathered in a public square and they wept because they heard the law and they just like, they had to be encouraged to stop weeping because they were so excited to hear what the, how the Lord wanted them to live. And yet we're like, I don't have time. I got to check my email. So when we say we want to hear from God, well, I think we have a certain parameters of which we want to hear from God. Now, what we tend to want is like a magic eight ball or a genie. I want to hear from God when I have a big decision to make. God. Do I take that job? Ask again later. <laughs> when I say I want a word from God, right? we want a specific word from God because he's given us the word. Or we want someone who's going like, to step to, I need this, God, please answer my prayer. These are not bad things. These are great ways to communicate with God. But hear me on this. When we say we're longing to know from God we, and we're ignoring the scripture and we're ignoring the things that he's given us, we're not longing for deeper relationship. We want like we want to put coins in and get an output, right? When we actually seek the sensational outside of relationship, it's actually a very immature approach. And I'm not saying it's wrong, and there's a time for immature approaches. There's a time where this is all I can give you, God. I just need you, and I need to experience you this way. But it's a pretty immature relationship. I want you to think of it this way. Can you even imagine if I talked to my wife when there was, if I only talked to my wife when there was a huge decision or if I really needed something? The rest of the time, I just kind of ignored her. You know, we went about our days. I didn't even, like, acknowledge her. But then I'm like, hey, we got to make this big decision, babe. I know we haven't talked in two days, but I really need your input on this. Like, out of the blue. How do you think that would go over? Like, or, like, I really need help with something. Can you, can you take the dog to the vet because I'm busy? You haven't talked to me in two days, and you're going to come to me with that? I mean, it's, it's not much of a relationship, is it, if we're just going in these moments. If you need to communicate with me, or if I said this to her, if you need to communicate with me, I'm going to need to be some dramatic gestures. Like, right, I, I don't, like, like, I just really want, like, I, you need to get my attention. If it's it's got to be more important than what I'm watching on TV right now. Like, can you imagine if that's, like, how we interacted person to person? Like, I need some dramaticness out of this, or it's not really worth my time. No, it's built on a foundation of the fact that we have an ongoing dialogue, right? We have an ongoing dialogue. And in that, these are not unusual questions to kind of ask for, hey, I need your help with this big decision. But we kind of approach God, it's not very much of a relationship if we stay in that place of only wanting dramatic things. Am I moving closer to a real relationship with my wife if I stick to the edges of those things? Am I moving closer to a real relationship with God if I only approach Him when I need answers to something or when I need Him to do something? Or is a more mature, deeper relationship to learn to be present in what my wife is already communicating? Like, that's where I need to grow, if I'm being really honest. I don't need my wife to step up and be more dramatic in her I need to actually be present when she's communicating with me about her day. That's my growth edge, Right? So where is it with God? Is it God who's really dropping the slack when he's kind of like not coming through in big dramatic ways? Or do I need to actually learn how to be present with what God is communicating to me day in and day out? I think the growth edge lies in us most of the time if we're really honest with ourselves. You know, I have, you know a lot of times we want like, God to communicate through powerful things like lightning. And I have actually an incredible story of a young guy in my life. When I was, a, when I was in college, I was leading young life. And there was this kid named Pat, and I was really excited for Pat to come to camp because he had kind of stayed on the periphery of the Young Life crowd, and he had never really heard the gospel. And I was so excited that one summer, he finally, after years of trying to get him to come to camp, his senior year, he decided to come to Young Life camp, and I knew he was going to be presented with the gospel, and I was like so prayerful that this was going to transform his life. I was so excited about it. And he came, and he heard the message, and he's like, yeah, this is, I mean, this is cool. I think I just want to learn a little bit more. I just, I just want to know more. And I'm like, that's fine. Like, you know, we'll keep this dialogue going. We'll kind of, like, keep this relationship. But I was, I was disappointed. And I went back to work at a Young Life camp for a month. And uh, my other Young Life leader, like, it was kind of, like, working with Pat while we were gone. And, uh, and he asked him, like, how are you learning more? You, just, you said you wanted to learn more. He's like, well, you know, I know I need to, like, read the Bible to learn more. But to be honest, I'm more interested in watching TV and playing Xbox than I am in reading the Bible. So I just haven't got around to learning more about God. And he's like, well, that's a pretty honest statement. So he's like, well, maybe ask God to kind of, like, Like, be more real to you, or, you know, to intervene in some way. So he prayed, God, if you're out there really, just be more, make me want you more than, like, playing Xbox and watching TV. Very simple, immature, like, incredible, like, faithful prayer, right? This is a true story. Later that week, lightning strikes his house, and it fries his Xbox and his TV. (laughs) The rest of his house is untouched. The, like, the insurance appraiser came out, and he's like, this doesn't make any sense that only this room got impacted. It just doesn't make any sense. And so, like, he's, like, processing with my co-leader a little while later, and Johnny's like, do you think that might be, like, an answer to your prayer, man? And he's like, dude, I didn't think about that. <laughs> so he calls me at camp. He's telling me this story, and I'm, like, dying laughing. Like, and they, it was, it's powerful. God does do those things, right? But here's the thing. Like, there was a group of, like, the Christians who had always kind of followed God that was like, why doesn't God ever speak to me like that? This was an ongoing, this was a real dialogue in the wake of what had happened to Pat. And, like, and one of the things that was really powerful was, like, I don't think he needs to get your attention that way. You you already know him. And here's the interesting thing. Pat's journey was great, but he struggled with kind of needing that is sensational to keep him motivated. It became a real struggle for him to kind of get into the day-in and day-out relationship with God, whereas for others, like... Like, that's all they knew, and they longed for the special moment, but they knew how to be in a relationship with God. He speaks to us in the ways that we need, and each has a struggle to it. Like, you would think if lightning struck your house and fried your stuff, you would never struggle to relate to God again. But that was an ongoing struggle for him. Like, well, he hit me with lightning once. Why haven't I heard from him in seven years? Right? (laughs) We don't want to become dependent on these dramatic moments. That's not how God wants to be constantly getting our attention. Why is the word in Scripture essential for our lives as believers? You know, I th- I'm going to say three things. It's essential for a lot of reasons, but I'm going to kind of camp in three. One it's how we come to know who God is. Like, this is how we come to know who God is in Scripture. You know, God has communicated with us, and I, I just Googled what the average length of the Bible is. Over 1,200 pages, let's say. And it's small print, So I mean, we're really kind of like, it's really a lot of words. He has communicated with us over 1,200 pages. His history, his history of mankind, right? All these things that he's done. It's the history of God's interaction with people. It's the insight into God's character and heart as he pours out his heart. And you understand his character consistently through Scripture. And not only this, it's a letter expressing God's heart for you. Like, we come to know exactly who God is through Scripture in a powerful way. You know, there's so much, like, about dating apps that's like you get one picture and then you kind of meet with the person and they're not what you expected them to be. Let me ask you this. If you had read 1,200 pages of this person's history and all their relationships and you learned how they interacted with everyone in their life and they told you all the things that they appreciated most about you and you knew everything, you think if you walked into that conversation and it was somebody else, you wouldn't catch it in, like, a second? You become very familiar with the character and the heart and the person that should be sitting across from you when you get there. God has communicated with us. He has made himself known. We have the opportunity to truly know who he is. If we want to understand his voice, dive into everything he has described about himself, and you will recognize it a lot more clearly. When we spend time in Scripture, we start to become familiar with the voice of God. We start to understand what his voice sounds like. Right? We start to understand what he cares about, what he longs for, what he wants for us. It becomes the filter that we can run all other communication through. Because if it doesn't sound like scripture, like the God who's in scripture, it's probably not God. Because he's made himself known and he wants to make himself known. You know, like, um, I, it's a powerful opportunity to get to listen to God. Powerful ways. You know, I I told this story before in church, but like, I think it's worth mentioning again. There was this one time that I was uh, like walking from the gym to, from my house to the gym, which at the time was like a block. And I was just crossing the street and it was middle of November. I'm like in shorts and like maybe a hoodie, but it was cold. And I'm like hustling to get to the gym. And I saw this girl who's flat, had a flat tire, was like struggling to kind of get like the tire thing on. And and I'm like, ah, it's cold. You know, kind of like want to keep, and I'm like, ah. But I had this moment because I'm like, the whole what would Jesus do? I know who God is in Scripture. I'm very, very aware of what Jesus would do in this moment because I've come to know him very, very intimately. And so I stopped, and against my own desires, there was this moment of like, I know who God is, and I know who he wants me to be, and I'm going to offer to help her change her tire. And I did, she's like, no thanks, creepy guy in shorts in the middle of November, I'm good. So I was like, okay, like, checked it off the list, like I did what I was supposed to do, I'm in the gym, and I'm in the gym, and I'm feeling like really guilty, like I should have persevered a little bit more, like would Jesus have just been like, yeah, you are fine, I'm on my way. And it's this, it's this, my understanding of who God is, I'm wrestling with, about what does that mean for who I'm supposed to be. And as I'm wrestling with it, I go back out into the parking lot, and I say, I know you said you're fine, but is there anything I can do for you? Like, it's just cold, it's raining, you're in the middle of the parking lot. And she's like, no, I'm okay. You could tell she was a little more hesitant to say she was okay that time, but she still says she was okay. So I'm like, well, I can't, like, be awkward. I gotta go back inside. And so I go back inside, and Dan Francis calls me, and I answer the phone, and he goes, hey, um... My coworkers like broken down in like the bank parking lot right by your, like, your house. <laughs> do you think you could like go help her? I'm like, I, 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 I tried twice, man. <laughs> like, I, I think God might be trying to get my attention here, right? But here's the thing. Did God just communicate in that moment? No, he was communicating all along. Like, I knew what God wanted me to do because I knew who God was. It didn't take a phone call from Dan for me to know what I was supposed to do. Now, this alleviated the tension when I walked back out a third time and said, I know this sounds crazy, but Dan Francis just called me, I swear, and asked if I could help you change your tire. She goes, okay, well, if Dan said, sure, like, yeah. So, like, uh, you know, but, right, like, when, when did, like, God speak to me? Was it in the moment that I got the phone call from Dan to say, like, hey, this girl needs help? No, no, no. I felt the conviction in my heart from the moment I saw it. And then when I quickly passed by it, I still knew that God was putting on my heart. I knew I was supposed to be involved in that situation. Now, I couldn't force it, but like, you know, that, that moment, it, it wasn't a moment of just needing a phone call. God's voice was permeating that situation, and it starts in Scripture because I know who God is, and I know who he's called me to be, and I know he's given me his eyes to see situations from time to time. When I'm willing to listen, I can see things through his perspective. And that happens just from Scripture. When God goes above and beyond that, it's pretty exciting, but it adds to the relationship of what he's already built in us. The second thing it does is the word of God shapes our character. It shapes our character. That's what I hope was happening in that moment with me. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you've learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So how else is God communicating through Scripture? We not only learn what God is like, but we also start to become God-like. We start to adopt the traits of our Father as we camp with Him in Scripture, gleaning from who He is and allowing it to permeate who we are so that we walk out of that time in the Word a little bit more like the Father than when we came into that time with the Word. Like, I mean, think about that. That is life-changing. That In Scripture, God begins to shape who we are. Scripture convicts us of sin and it teaches us how to live. It's what the people in Nehemiah were just weeping because they finally understood how God wanted them to live. And we have it that access to it all the time. Scripture has the power to transform our very nature because it's God breathed Scripture and God works through Scripture that when we interact with Scripture, it's not like reading the Odyssey and you get some really cool stories. It's like reading an alive and active book that transforms our very nature at its core. By camping in the Word, it shapes our DNA. It reshapes us. It reforms us. It makes us more like Him. And the third thing is that the Word of God is alive and active. We are not just reading old stories. This is what Hebrews tells us. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates, even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. It's not a static historical book of God's interaction in the past. It is those things, but it's not just those things because it's alive and active. And you can read a story of David, or you can see a story of Peter, or you can be convicted by something in Ephesians, and it speaks to you exactly where you're at in that moment. And that is because God's word is alive and active to give truth to us. And that's unbelievable that he does this. It's unbelievable that it works this way. God speaks specifically to us through his word. Yes, he spoke eternally for all time and historically, but he also speaks to us in that moment. I can't tell you how many times I've had somebody come up to me after church and say, like, did you take a conversation, did did you know what I was going through when you wrote that sermon? I'm like, no, I'm not that discerning, and I guarantee you, none of us on the teaching team, maybe Beth, maybe Beth is that discerning, but the rest of us on the teaching team, I can guarantee you, did not have that sense, like, God does this, right? Right? He kind of tailors things to hit us exactly where we're at because that's what his word does. It reaches into our hearts and gives truth in the way that we need it because he's God and he's unbelievable like that. But that's what it's like. He speaks specifically to you through the word. And again, if we ignore the word in our lives, we will miss those opportunities for God to tell us exactly what we need to hear in that moment. Scripture changes our thoughts and attitudes doesn't just change us in our nature, but changes our thought, the way we think about life. We can have the same exact circumstances happen to us two days in a row, but if God is present in the one, it shapes the way we perceive it, the way we think about it, and the attitude that we have about it. Because he permeates and transforms how we interact with the world. Thank you, God, for doing that. And he does that in Scripture. So how do I hear God in Scripture? You know, I spend most of the time setting it up, so I don't have a ton of time to kind of unpack this. But I'm going to give you four things One, study scripture. Spend time in it regularly. Buy, like, a study Bible. Get context. I can't tell you how much depth there is in scripture. You know, um, I'm trying to remember the phrase. The rabbi said, like, the scripture is kind of like a diamond. It's got so many different facets. So you can kind of look at it and see one facet one day. But you can kind of spin that thing. And if you spend enough time in scripture, you will understand that same passage with the depth of meaning that it has for your life. And I can promise you, if you've read it cover to cover, you have not understood the Bible because you could spin that thing 40 different ways and it would mean 40 different things to you because it's just that rich and that like 40-dimensional. It's unbelievable how much truth is jam-packed into the scripture. So study it. Become familiar with it, but don't stop when you're familiar with it because it will teach you new things as you go. I can't tell you how many times I've read the Bible cover to cover and I never cease to be amazed how God speaks differently to me. Learn to meditate on scripture. Learn to not just read. I, I don't know if you're like me. I'm like a terrible reader. I get to like the bottom of the page. I'm like, did it. What did it say? Dang it. I don't know what I just read. <laughs> and I do this like all the time. I'm like, I'm going to go back. And I'm going to read it until I get something from it. And I'm like, focus, focus, focus. Got it. Okay, I think I got it. No, let me read it again. Like, like, if we're honest, if any of you are like me, too ADD to like sit in a passage and sit there until you feel like you understand it. And I remember I had a friend who said that he, he stopped reading full chapters just to get it done, and he started reading paragraphs, and he wasn't going to stop reading that paragraph until he felt like he really like, understood it. And he's like, man, I only read really like a paragraph a day now, but like, it's been awesome. <laughs> and I remember thinking, I need to hear that. Like, That's definitely how I need to start like, perceiving Scripture, because spend time on it, camp on it. What does the Lord mean in this? Ruminate about what this means, about who God is, who I am. What does this mean about our relationship? If this is who God is, what does this mean for my life? Spend time, don't just kind of read it and finish it. Let it camp in your soul and speak to who you are. Memorization. This is not something I've been great at in my life, but there have been seasons where I memorized John 15 and just having that as I drove in the car, being able to speak it in my, and there was a group of guys that we got together and actually memorized all of Philippians one time. It was one of the most powerful experiences of my life. We met for a year, memorizing Philippians together. And to be able to just, I, I felt like it saturated in my mind, in my soul, in a way that like, nothing else ever has, because we just camped in it. And every day, I'm over the same verses, and the same verses, and the same verses, until I, I knew them by heart. And I could literally run and speak the, word of, like, the whole book of Philippians as I was on a run. And, it, and every time I went through it, it challenged me in different ways. Memorize it. Make it a part of your soul. One of the most beautiful stories I've ever heard about somebody is a man who's just been a true faithful servant of the Lord. He serves in Africa. He's been there for years and years and years. And they said, like, he started getting Alzheimer's, and he started forgetting kind of basic things. And he's moved home, and he's been home ever since then. But they said that scripture is so deep in his DNA that he can recite it, even though he can't remember what he had for breakfast that morning. But he knows who he is. He has this scripture at the core of his soul, and I think it's one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard. Like, if there's one thing you don't want to forget, it's who you are in relation to God. Lectio Divina. We've done this as a prayer exercise sometimes in, in, in church. We've also, we do it in leadership from time to time. It's just a powerful way to kind of go through scripture numerous times. You read it, you meditate on it, you pray through it, you contemplate. It. You just basically take the same passage, read it, let it speak to you, be in silence, read it again, meditate it on it. What did it say to you this time? Pray through Scripture. Like, allow it to be your words of prayer when you don't have any words. This is, like, one of the most beautiful things. Whenever you, have you ever been, anybody ever been in a low place? I've been there once or twice, large portions of my life, right? But, like, like the Psalms, sometimes when you don't have the words to pray, to be able to pray Scripture is one of the most powerful things that you can do. Pray, this is what I want to be true, Lord. Let me speak truth into it because I just have a hard time grasping it myself right now. You know, just a few questions for you as the worship team comes back up. What role does Scripture play in your life right now? Just a pretty basic question. Like, where, little status check. Where am I at with Scripture? Ah, it's been a while. Eh, it's not as much of a, maybe it's in a place where it's just just a discipline, but honestly, I'm not camping until I get something out of it. I'm just kind of checking the box, moving on my way. Where are you at status-wise? And there, this question, just a very simple question to wrestle with this week. What step can I take to grow its role in my life? What step can I take this week to grow the role of Scripture in my life? Have a conversation with somebody about that over lunch. Like, I really just challenge you to just take one step to say, I'm going to further integrate Scripture into my life in a bigger and more powerful way. And i would say this. If you're struggling with that, start with this. Ask God for a longing for his word. Open that passage in Nehemiah and just read that to God and say, God, I don't know what that is like, but I want that. I want that. The God of the universe will move in your heart. He may not hit your house with lightning. He might. Watch out. But he might not hit your house with lightning. But I promise you, he will move in our longings. God, reorient my longings. I want to long for your word. I'm struggling with it. Reorient my longings. You, the God who transforms our DNA, who transforms our very nature, transform my nature. Bring scripture in my life and make me thirsty for it. He will answer this. This is a prayer Sunday. Um, If you you have anything that you need prayed for in your life, physical ailment, just a desire for scripture, desire for God, you're hurt, wounded in some way, if you just head down this hallway and into that sanctuary, you can start anytime during worship, and they'll be there after the service as well. We encourage you to go seek prayer if you need it. And as the worship team is going to step in, just let me pray for us as we go from here. Lord God, thank you so, so much um, for loving us the way that you do. Lord, thank you for putting scripture in our lives to communicate who you are to us. Father, I am humbled. We should be so humbled that you took the time to communicate so carefully who you are. Lord, we want to know you more. And Lord... If we're honest, sometimes we don't want scripture as much as we should. Increase our longing. Make us thirsty for you, Lord. Create just a deep desire in our souls that will only be satiated when we are in your presence. Just letting you kind of just show who you are to us and imprint who you are on us. Lord, I pray that you would draw us away to times with your word this week. And that it would be transformative for us. In Jesus' name, amen.